Hello, everyone. Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and I'm excited to have our first two-time guest of the Make It Podcast, the one and only Ted Wilson Welch. That's right. Ted Welch is here with us again to have a little conversation. And, um, you know, the first time he's on the show, we actually didn't do these sort of pre-roll bios, so I want to give him his due. So here we go. Ted Welch is an actor and writer known for The Help, Wild Man, which is now called Adult Interference, and True Blood. He is currently working on a script called Another 20 Years and is working on a feature film where he plays in a supporting role in a movie named Chest. Ted attended the Eugene O'Neill National Theater Institute. He's also a graduate of the American Conservatory Theater Master of Fine Arts and Acting Program. Uh, true to his character in Adult Interference, Bo Treadwell, he was a starting linebacker for his first two years at Lambeth University in Jackson, Tennessee, and also went to school with Graham Outerbridge. You guys can go to IMDb if you don't know who that is. So without further ado, I give you actor, writer, Good friend and all-around fun guy, Mr. Ted Welch. You're listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. Hey, my name is Ted Welch. I am an actor and a writer. You would know me from Adult Interference, The Help, True Blood, and presently, we are. A, I'm working on a script called Another Twenty Years, and a movie called Chest. Yeah, Chest. That's true. Welcome, by the way, uh, Ted, to the Make It Podcast once again. Thank you for having me. Of course, you are our first repeat guest, and there's a good reason for that. Um, and adult interference is just one of them, but but the reason we have you on is because you're awesome. And uh, it's, it's always a fun conversation whenever we have the opportunity to talk. So yeah, I'm uh, totally, totally pumped. Where are you right now, by the way? Right now, I am uh, driving on my way to Hendersonville, Tennessee. Where, where you're from. And, where I'm and, from. Where we shot Adult Interference, formerly right. known as Wild Man. <laughs> that's right. Formerly known as Wild Man, now called Adult Interference. And uh, we shot a little bit of that in L.A. as well. So I'm, I'm pumped. It's coming out uh, next month officially, September 17th. And uh, it's ready for pre-order now. Um, that's a great place to start, though, uh, is, is that name change. Um, for, for so many of our listeners, they're hoping to just get where you are, um, for example, and what you've done in your career is incredible uh, with True Blood and The Help and, and this film and the films you're working on now. Maybe you can drop a little knowledge as to why name changes happen in post. Sure. Well, 
for a VOD model, it's alphabetical. And if unless you're a main, huge, big blockbuster. So it makes more sense. Actually, the title makes more sense in context of the movie because the movie is about a guy that can't grow up mm-hmm. and <laughs> in football, so adult interference. Um, but when you get – when a company, a distributor buys your movie or is distributing your movie, their marketing idea is to go, well – if we stick with Wild Man, which is a great name, but if we stick with Wild Man, you're literally the last title on the list mm-hmm. when you're on BOD. So they just came to us and they said, hey, uh, Ted, Stephanie, can you guys think up another title? And I, I the way it went is Stephanie called me. Stephanie is one Stephanie of the Black. directors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's been on the show, one of the um, writers and directors. And Stephanie called me. And we just kind of spitballed for about 30 minutes and we sent them like 20 titles. I think, yeah, we sent you all you guys, 20 titles. And that was the one pretty much everybody landed on. Yep. I think that was, that was the favorite, which, yeah, like I said, a bunch of Stephanie and my friends out in LA are like, I think that title's better. (laughs) It it takes, it takes getting used to cause it's longer, you know, but I think, I think for people Mm -hmm. who are net new to the movie, yeah, they won't know any difference. And the sort of double entendre that, that interference creates is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people will like connect to that. I, I, I'm sure of it. Um, the movie is a comedy, and you said it revolves around an actor, comedy, those sorts of things. You're a funny guy. Like every time I'm around you, you make me laugh. Uh, real talk. Do you, do, you, do you consider yourself a comedian? No, 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 no. I would never say, I, I would say that I, um, I'm a comedic actor. Actually, I would just say I'm an actor. I just have timing. Like I, I feel as an actor, you either have timing or you don't. I've mm-hmm. had timing. I watched comedies growing up. I loved Chris Farley, Bill Murray, all that stuff. And it's a, the way you deliver a line. Uh, I would never call myself a comedian because that is, an extremely hard discipline. I think that's probably the hardest of the performing arts. I did it once. And I, I was like, going to, I was going to ask you that. I did it once and I kind of did well. I mean, I did well enough that all the comedians were like, yeah, you should do it again. And then I did it again at a clean night that I couldn't curse. And I just, <laughs> I was just awful. I had one joke land. Cause one of my jokes was like talking about how, um, Oh, when I'm at the gym, I like to listen to like, you know, Taylor Swift and stuff. Cause I like to like really get a cry while I'm running. And yeah. my joke is revolved around that. But it's funny when they asked me, they're like, Hey man, that was a pretty tight set. Like, how'd you get that? I was like, um, I wrote a monologue and I memorized it. Yeah, that's what it is. I think, I think a lot of people, um, may not realize that to be a great comedian, you have to be a great writer. Yeah. I mean, that's why comedians tend to be good actors pretty automatically because, I mean, most of the time they have have room to riff. And it's much it's much harder to be funny than it is to be dramatic. If you if you aren't believably aren't believable doing drama, then that that's you're just overacting things. Right. Right. I wonder why that is like why. That is quite a phenomenon, right? Like the, this idea that like Jim Carrey seamlessly went from comedic actor to very excellent dramatic actor. 
Um, Eddie Murphy is a very good actor for, you know, coming from uh, comedy. Um, There seems to be like a trend that, that, you know, if you've done comedy and done it at the highest levels and done it really well, there's a very good chance that you're going to be a great actor. Why is that? Do you think? Um, I think it's because I think it's because I'm going to say this for on stage because as a comedian, like once you get in a hole, you're you up there, you're Mm -hmm. a version of you, but you're you. And like what the camera I think does is it sees in your soul. Like when you're on camera, it sees in your eyes and it knows if you're lying and it knows if you're faking it. And so I think a comedian is so used to just being raw up there on stage and like going for it as themselves that when they go dark, they go as themselves and like they just find it. I I guess I'm saying I think they're used to living sort of in that world where it's fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So when they get to that point in a scene and they're like, hey. You got to have a full breakdown here. They're like, all right, let me see what I got. Yeah. That's what I do as a comedic actor. That's what I do. I'm like in, in, in adult interference, there's a couple of rough scenes and like, yeah, I just go in the corner and I say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go for it. And then I just go there. Yeah. Yeah. You did. I, the, the, for people who watch the film, they're going to be in for a treat because they're going to see the full range of, of, of what you can offer as an actor or performer. You, you've done improv, which made me think about you as a comedian and you're a writer. And it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to watch it. And, and you go there uh, um, on both sides of it really, really well. So I, I'm proud of it. I can't wait for people to see it, I you know I guess the converse of like the comedic actor or, or comedian turning into a great dramatic actor would be like uh, porn stars. Porn stars never seem to be able to work it out. Like they can't ever translate the acting they do before all the sex happens into like being a great actor in a like a regular movie. You know? Yeah, they really can't. Yeah, like Kevin Costner's the only one, right? Him Kevin and. Yeah. You know, was he? He wasn't in a porn, was he? He was. He was a porn star first. No, I Stallone so. was. Or was it Stallone? Was it Stallone or Costner? St- Stallone was in one softcore porn. Okay. Well, he made it happen, right? I mean, he's he's honestly, if you were to ask me, one of the top five people that I look up to, it's him. I mean, he's wow. a great writer. People would argue with me, but like he's a pretty great actor. I mean, Rocky alone, if you can create an iconic role like that, mm-hmm. you're you're one of the greats. Plus he that owns extent. franchises. Yeah, right? I mean, Rambo like, Rambo First Blood is good. That movie's great. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that in forever. I need to revisit, but but that's the thing that I that's kind of the dream, right? Like that you write a movie that you have the rights to. And then it becomes a franchise. So you have all these multiple franchises that you can keep writing sort of chapters into. That seems like that's all of like Hollywood right now. Like everything is a remake of something that of some IP that someone owns anyway. And um, and I, I thought I think it's so hard to create something net new and then make it a franchise kind of like Mike Myers did and like Stallone did. And um it's, it's, it's well, interesting. I'll have my crack research team, by the way, look up whether it was Costner or Stallone, or maybe it was both of them. 
Maybe it was Maybe Eric what? Roberts. We don't know. Ooh. I'll tell you what I think <laughs> that Hollywood's doing now, which I love because obviously you know that I love nostalgia from the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. I think what they've, they've learned, and I, I feel like we can pretty much thank Cobra Kai for this. What they <laughs> learned is we don't want you to do a remake. We want you to do a, a continuation. We want to see like new people in it, but we want to see the old characters too. Right. Bill and Ted, the new Bill and Ted that's coming out. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's true. That's better, I think. You you do love eighties and nineties stuff. I I was curious, um, what is uh, your your eighties and nineties top five? Uh, okay, Goonie for the eighties, it'd be Goonies, Die Hard. Um, Die Hard's great. Best Christmas shoot, movie. Shoot um, the glass. Yeah, I think Monster Squad, which people are going to question me on that, but I love that movie. Um, <laughs> Lost Boys. Yes. And think of a fifth this is where it gets dicey when you get to the fifth one i kind of i just recently rewatched it and i think it moved in is gremlins really so you you're going gremlins let's say over animal house i don't like animal house or caddyshack mm, caddyshack 70s isn't it Shit, i think I caddyshack I is think 79 so. really i love caddyshack i don't something about animal house i just don't like I don't know. It's fine. There are funny performances in it. <laughs> John Belushi's hilarious in it, but that's yeah. kind of it for me. I watched Gremlins like 50 times. Like yeah. Nick and I still reference Gremlins all the time. Like Gremlins is one of those movies that sticks with you because they took, they basically took a, it's a new concept is what they did. Like, like they invented something mm-hmm. and, and, no one will have a reference for this that didn't live in those times, but it like dominated the world for half a year because you had the toys. Yeah. By the way, I just have to sub one out. I'm taking Monster Squad out and I'm putting Back to the Future in because it's a perfect movie. There you go. I like, I, I'm not mad at that at all. Um, Back to the Future. Back to the Future is, um, I, I think, maybe in the top 50 movies, period. Oh, it's it's an absolutely perfect script from start to finish. Yeah, we're not not just talking 80s, but like maybe top 30, top like top 40 like all time. So I, I'm with you on that. Um did you did you okay, so what about 90s before I move on? 90s. Um True Romance. It's probably Oof. my that's gonna be number one. That's that's an incredible one. Mm-hmm. Uh I really like natural born killers. At the back in the day when I was a teenager, I thought that movie was ahead of its time. Uh, Clearly, with all the mass shootings. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> then we get into we might get into some cheesy. I'd say can't hardly wait. <laughs> okay. Um, there's this movie that I don't know that you saw. I mean, we're the same age, but do you remember that movie Angus? I do remember Angus. I love that movie. Really? I love it. Yeah, it's just a cool coming of age, awesome movie. Yeah. Um, wasn't that the uncle? Was that the uncle movie Buck. where where the dude had to catch the pass and he dropped it? Is that is a, is am I thinking of the same movie or is Angus it's a different a fo- movie? It's a football movie about this kid that's like yeah. a big kid. He's yeah. like six three and he's fat, and they put him in the football captain just keeps picking on him. They're freshmen in high school. Yeah, 
This is yeah. the movie I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think this is the same movie. Okay. Um, I got to double check. I watched a lot of football movies. And then you said Uncle Buck, which, yeah, I would throw. See, Uncle Buck is so good. That's so underappreciated. John Candy I mean, might be underappreciated. John Candy's so good. Uncle Buck's so good. I'm, I almost, I gave you my top five 80s and 90s, but like all those John Hughes movies are, are to me like some kind of wonderful. I talked about that last time on here. Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles. Those are all so great. I would, they would be in the top 10 for me. Did, did you like Dead Poet Society? I didn't at the time, but I, I have watched it in years and I'm the last few years and I'm like, Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of had a, it, that, that's so funny because I think at the time when I initially watched the breakfast club, for example, I don't know if I connected and then I watched it again a little older and I was, and I really liked it and then put my kids onto it. So, um, I still can't explain how the hell Emilio Estevez smoking weed breaks that glass. But <laughs> like, yeah. like what, like what happened there? Like, like he was dancing. He like nobody ever, like, did they sprinkle PCP in his blunt or like, or in his joint? Like how did, what's he, he doing? He just yelled at it. Well, he just yeah. yelled at it. <laughs> he just yelled the glass. He's shattered also, it. He's also clearly 26 years old. Yeah, yes. just, well, the, just how tiny he really is and the fact that he was the athlete. Well, the and, only people in that movie that, that look like they're in high school are Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald because they were. Yeah, Judd Nelson looked way too old. You're right. He, he, yeah. looked, he looked like uh, he'd been held back a few grades and was still in high school, and that's why he was so disgruntled. And, and <laughs> certainly Emilio Estevez was... Was older. I, I liked how every time he would threaten you with violence, it was like he's going to wrestle you. It's not that he's going to fight you; it's that he's going to wrestle you. Uh, yeah. You got the sense that that was what was going to break out was a wrestling match, not a not a boxing match, not but a fist fight, not a fist fight. Exactly, exactly. No, but it's that one grew on me too. Like that's that's. Um, I actually have a picture. Um, I, I think. Wait, you have one too. You have a picture of of you dressed up as the Breakfast Club, like. You and you and a, a cast, right? Like sort of um, redid it for my for my 40th birthday. Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to my my Dance Nation fam. <laughs> uh, Tamara, Tadris, Tamiko, all those girls. They came to and Andy Kniez. They all came to my 40th birthday party dressed up as like the Breakfast Club. It was awesome. I think that's fantastic, man. Dang, I hated missing that. I was supposed to come to that and. Man, I'm frustrated that I wasn't able to make it. Um, we can just pretend that I'm not 40 if you want. I would love that. I would. I think that's fine. And I would love if you pretended I'm also not 40. That would be. There you go. We'll that do that. Super cool. Uh, I certainly don't feel it. Do you feel it? Like, do you feel? I don't, I don't feel 40. Like, I don't. The only thing I've noticed in the last year <clears throat> is that. I don't have gray hair, but my facial hair will get a little splotchy if I let it go. Yeah. It'll get a, it'll get some gray spurts sticking through, and I'm like, I don't like that. But, yeah, it's like all the smartest people in Silicon Valley have figured out how to make sure we stay on our phones all day, but they haven't figured out how to get our gray hair to go away and to keep mm -hmm. us young forever, and I think it's a bullshit waste of resources. I do, I do too. <laughs> 
like, forever young. Yeah, yeah. It's like what? what you just created a new pack of emoji. Thanks for nothing. What's that Mel Gibson movie where he uh, ages? Like he, they put him in a. It's forever young. They put him in a time capsule, mm-hmm. and he wakes up like sixty years later. It's Elijah Wood and him. Yeah, that's but, it. Forever. Yeah, he ages it, like seventy years in one day. <laughs> oh, I need to. See, I don't think I've seen that. I need to. I need, I'm going to write a note, little note right now. Forever young. Um, I do know that's a Jay Z song. Uh, so I'll watch the film Forever Young. So um, you you did the help. You've done True Blood. Um, you've you're one of these guys that has lived in the indie world and in the Hollywood world and had a foot in both lanes. I'm curious, how has your approach to your work changed since then, since you first landed those roles? Um, I would say I'm probably more focused now because, well, one, like, I'm not actively, the hustle is not my only way of getting by. It used to be my only way of getting by, so there was right. much more pressure on me to, like, book this job when I was in Hollywood. And that's not so much a thing anymore because I'm more making my own stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I obviously audition and I do, you know, put the work in, but I I would say now I'm just, if I could go back to 30 year old me, when all that happened, I'd be like, Hey, you need to be focused. You need to not go out five nights a week. Um, I I never, I never didn't work on the material. Like I was obviously very prepared. I just think that, um, I probably had one or two auditions I went in for that I should have prepped more and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate. I had a, a, a string of, a string of good luck. And that, that is what it is. There's a lot of really good actors out there, but you have to combine the talent with, with luck. And, um, mine just happened and, mm-hmm. and I had a nice run, but I, it's funny because in the indie world, I play much, I play bigger roles, obviously. Right. You know, in a, in a mainstream movie, I'm going to get one or two scenes, but in an indie world, <clears throat> a lot of times I'm going to be in like seven or eight scenes. So it's yeah. a little, I guess it's a for me coming from a theater background. It's easier for me to like get up in it. If like, I've got more material to work with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because if you, if you have one scene, you're coming in, you better make some hard choices. You can't waffle. You can't do any of that. That's the biggest thing I tell people when I coach them for tapes. I'm like, you've got to make definite choices because your tape is going to producers. And if you waffle, no one's going to cast you. Now, describe waffle for us. And then also, what is it that you coach in terms? Do you coach like self-taping the auditions or going to like a room to tape? Or having someone else tape it. I have I I tape people sometimes, and I just coach in there. Or I privately coach like acting. Um, <clears throat> so is it? So would yeah, you say it's better to have somebody record you, or is it okay to self-record? I think it's fine to self-record. I, I think um, it's more important to have a good reader. Got it. I, I've I've had a chunk of people book with me, and it's like, yeah, I mean, the tape looks good. It's whatever, but it's because somebody's acting with you. I'm not just halfway reading a script. I'm acting opposite of you. And some actors don't like that, but that's what books work. 
Like really? I always yeah. tell uh, my friend Jessica or my friend Tamara, they come read with me a lot and I read with them. And like when they read with me, I'm like, no, go for it. Cause it, it helps my performance. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny that that, that doesn't happen all the time at all. I don't think, I don't think anyone's ever said that on the show either. So thank you uh, for that. Yeah. Um, d- describe waffling. So, so like, what does it sound like when an actor is waffling on their, in their performance? It sounds like if they, if they were going to deliver the line, there's a million women out there, but it's just you that I want to be with. It sounds like they go, there's a million women out there. Just you want to be a, it just, <laughs> they don't do anything. They just read it. Yeah. Or they kind of start to make a choice, which is like, you know, if I were like, I started strong with, there's a million women out there, but it's only you that I want to be with. Right. That, mm-hmm. that is, I'm, I'm making some vocal choices there and they started off that way. But then by the end, they're just looking at the floor mumbling. Right. 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 And so you, you, and people, you, you're saying that people will put that kind of performance on tape all the time. I watched, uh, yeah, all the time. It's because, wow. it's because in a smaller Southeastern market, people, people here like that started out in theater and then go to film. They hear, Hey, Hey, it's film. Be smaller. Yeah. But it's not, it's film. Don't make any choices. It's just make your movements smaller and be quieter. Be normal, mm, act yeah. natural. That's the, that's what I always tell people when they're switching from theater to film. I'm like, just talk like you would in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always go back to what a uh, friend of the show and uh, LA actor, Joshua Bermudez says, which is, um, you know, we asked him the question, you know, if you had 30 days to teach someone to act, what are the first three things you would teach? And, and he, he talked about stillness and just he would put them in an empty room and without them knowing, he would watch what they do with their hands and see yes. if they would, and then see if they would lean against a wall because it's incredibly difficult. And we do this without thinking. Sometimes we put our hands in our pockets and we and if we're in an open space, we'll find a wall. It's like a, the wall is like a magnet. So we're so insecure about being in the middle of a room as people alone that we'll find a wall and then we'll lean against it. And, and it, it's, it's hard it, to act and not do those things, you know? Yeah. It, it, there's a stillness to it. I mean, he's totally a hundred percent. Most of the time, the first two or three takes with anybody, I'm like, you've got, cause I'll make their hands stop moving. Cause if you're going to use your hand in a, in a, in a scene, like it's gotta be for a reason. Don't uh-huh. just talk with your hands. That's distracting on camera. But the, like the first few times, once they stop moving their hands, then they start punctuating with their neck. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they're punctuating with their neck and moving. And I guess, I don't know. I just like, I really try to dial in. I try to look people in the eye. When Even my reader, I just look them dead in the eye and I just try to connect. Because at the end of the day, what is acting? It's connecting. It's pretending. Mm-hmm. It's listening. It's all these things that are should be natural that we we kind of don't do as much. We don't listen to people as much as we used to. You know, yep. We're on our phone. We're on our phone all the time. Me, you, everybody, not connecting. But on a camera or on stage, you've got to connect with each other. 
Yeah, no question about it. And I was curious, do you have like a go-to gesture so that you actually do have something you do with your hands that makes you feel more natural? Like is, you know how Bill Clinton always has the thumb over the fist and he kind of sort of lightly turns his wrist to jab it at you and that's his go-to so his hands aren't all over the place. Do you have anything that you do that, that just keeps your hand relevant but doesn't distract the camera? Um. I'm pretty all right about if it's like a wide, like we're shooting a wide angle. I, I, I just don't move my arms that much. But yeah, sometimes I, you would never notice it. But if you really look at me on like close up, sometimes you might have noticed it. I take my thumb and I run it around my, uh, run it around my pointing finger, pointer finger, mm. like real, real small. It's like a Tai Chi thing we learn. And it just like, you know, when I need to be still and it's just like really close on me, it just sort of, it relaxes me. I don't yeah. know why it just does. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I, we're talking about acting. I'm curious. I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but you know, who is the sort of unappreciated actor? Like who is your favorite unappreciated actor or underappreciated actor? I don't know if he's underappreciated, but, um, I mean, my, probably my favorite actor going is Ethan Hawke. Really? I, I really, I mean, look, there's the, the Denzel's and the, I don't love Pacino, but there's the De Niro. I love him. There's those guys that are iconic. I mean, mm-hmm. like you, you get in a scene with Denzel or Pacino or a, a bunch of the Helen Mirren, a bunch of these people, you better dial in hard because <laughs> they're about to come and like Ethan Hawke. I, I read an interview. He's like, I just knew that the first scene that Denzel and I had, he was coming in as hard as he could go. And I needed to go right back at it. And he does in that movie. He's great, but I, he's interesting to me. I probably have tried to, I just always believe him. So I've kind of tried to, um, personally just, I, I try to kind of not emulate him, but I, I respect him a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I try to make similar, similar like acting choices. I just think, you know, this is naturally what I would want to do. And he just always seems extremely real. Yeah. No, no question about it. He's, he's in that like group of actors that are like upper, upper echelon, but don't get mentioned in, in goat status. Like, uh, it's like him and, um, um, Defoe, uh, Willem Defoe. Will Defoe's in there. Um, what's his name? Um, the dude that that uh, was in the Dark Knight and Thank You for Smoking, uh, Aaron Eckhart oh, is that his name. Aaron Eckhart, yeah. Yeah, him. Um, who's the Who's the dude that was in uh, uh, Children of Men? I think is that the name of it. Oh, Clive Owen. Clive Owen. Clive Owen's in that group. I don't know why I'm having so many brain farts, but yeah, there's like the, like all those guys are like just incredible, and and, and, and they don't get mentioned. Sam- yeah, Sam Rockwell was in there for a while. Where I mean, he he's one. Now that's an exact person I would point to and say, "Hey, those are choices." Mm-hmm. You see what he's doing there? He's always interesting. He always does something. He's always, you know, really creative with what he does. Like the choices he makes are so interesting and so good. And you know, he finally at forty-seven, he got an Oscar and he's been recognized, but. There's so many movies he's great in. Moon. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, he's the actor's actor, and and I'll throw a, a a female in there actor in there as well. And I've mentioned her many times, but she she won me over for good uh, in the show The Leftovers on HBO. Mm-hmm. But Regina King, dude, she's great. She's been around forever. She's been good forever. She's in Boys in the Hood. She's so good. But she's gotten better because she wasn't like that twenty years ago, and now she's just like. I mean, she trembles. She make. I mean, she she makes choices. She's one hundred percent believable. She's not doing any kind of shtick. Like it's not a shtick. You don't get a, a stereotypical no. vibe from her at all. Like it's just like she's 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 the new one to me. Who's who's the mom in Moonlight? Um, it was um, she's the British. singer. It, I don't know. if She's British. She's um she's um. How am I losing this? She's one of my favorite singers. She's a, she's actually a singer. It's Janelle Monet. No, no, no. Okay. She this girl, this person, not girl, this adult. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in Twenty Eight Days Later. She's in so much stuff. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. But she's in that. I think she's in that. Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. Okay, got it. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she's a Moonlight. She plays Paula. And she's in this new movie coming out. I just saw a trailer for. Oh, she the is- the drug addicted mom. Hell yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, yeah. She's great. She's in that world too, where I'm just like every time I see her, I'm like, God, you're so good. Why have you not blown up? It could be that she's in England, but I, I don't know. That never stops anybody. You well, you always get- a, blowing up is different now than it used to be. I yeah. mean, you know, now it's like. It's not like there's these 50 actors and they're the only people that work. It's like there's a hundred television shows going. Yeah, there's so much so. content. It's 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 the it's the gift and the curse right now. It's it's you, there's never been a time to be a writer, to be a content creator, because so many platforms are desperate for ever extending, ever growing content libraries. But at the same time, your competition has never been higher, and therefore the penalty for making something average or below average has never been greater, in my opinion. Yeah. That's true. I agree. Yeah. Like even if you make a shitty YouTube video or Instagram video, it's like, "Mm, next, (laughs) like there's pressure around that. So, so yeah, that's, that's the flip side of, Hey, everybody wants something and something fresh to see, but we also, you know, are judging it hard. Like just the idea that we've gotten three comedy specials out of Chappelle in the last calendar year just tells you how much the machine is working at all times right now. Yeah. Um, so super, super uh, exciting times, but also you got to, you got to do your QC, got to make sure your work is tight. Um, speaking of making yep. sure your work is tight, what is your onset or offset or both pet peeve? Like what is something you can't stand that happens on set? And what is something you can't stand like in your everyday life that, that you just, makes you want to vomit or you can't tolerate on set. <clears throat> I, I don't know if this sounds cliche. Not a lot's going to bother me on set. As long as you know your stuff, I know my stuff. I hope we're friends and I hope we get along and I hope it's great. The only thing I've ever had on set that really bothered me, and I'm not going to say what show it was on, mm-hmm. but, um, one of the actors that was a pretty big actor had their stand-in come over for a scene, and I did my my lines with the stand-in because she had already 
or they had already. I said she, but so you know, <laughs> she already, she'd already, already done her thing. So you know, she, you know, when you did that, you canceled off the person I thought you were going to say, which was Mandy Patinkin. But go ahead. No, um, Mandy. Um, <laughs> but she, um, yeah, which is fine. I get it. I'm you do this for however many weeks a year, and I'm on a, just for a little bit. Right. And like, yeah, she just like you know. Have me read with somebody else. I found that a little annoying. I wouldn't mm-hmm. do that to somebody. No. But okay. a lot of actors do. A lot of actors are so it's fine. That was the only time I've ever been annoyed. Usually I'm just in I mean, I'm pretty dialed in. I'm just listening to my my iPhone, just listening to songs and stuff, ready to go. What what is uh, what what do you think is the what is the purpose behind a move like that when you send your stand in to read lines or like what do you think they're trying to communicate to you? Or what do you think? Is there a is there something that we're not thinking of that's practical or functional or are useful to the performer to do that? Yeah, I mean it is useful. I, I I understand why she did it because she was prepping for the next thing, and she was done. And um, I get it. Like you know, on something like Wild Man, where where I'm in every scene slash adult like, interference. Yeah, adult interference. Sorry. I don't France where I'm in like almost every single scene. Yeah. If you get my coverage, I could set somebody in there to read with, um, George, but I mean, that's, I'm not going to do that because to me, I'm like trying to give him as much as he's given me. Right. You're talking about George Barron, your co-star in the film, my, my co-star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, so that, that's what I try to do, but, I understand. Yeah. The, the advantage is that you've got to prep and get ready for another five page scene that we're shooting after lunch. And we're just getting a close up shot. Yeah. She, the person I'm talking about only did it for my close up shot. So it was no big <laughs> deal. Right. I'm just saying like, yeah, they're not really getting you. So somebody can just say the lines. Right. Uh, yeah. Offset. I'll tell you when I'm <clears throat> don't waste my time. That's the biggest thing I'd say offset. Like, if we're working on something, we're rehearsing something, we're writing something, do not waste my time. Like, yeah. Let's get to work. I don't want to like, I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, hey, you're going to come over and we're going to work on a script. Let's have some beers. I'm not that guy. That's not how I work. That's not how I roll. I'm like, hey, come over. Let's work on what we're going to work on. Then if you want to get a beer, we'll go get a beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, completely. And actually, I feel the same way. Like the the older I get, the less I care about the quantity and the more I care about the vintage, right? Like I, I want it I want it to be a quality experience if I'm going to take my time to do it because each each day you 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 experience and and each day you get a little older, you realize more and more that your time is, is finite and that, and that you don't want to have a bunch of, you know, C plus experiences with people, you know, you want to, uh, have something to show for the time you spent, have fun doing it and be around people that you love to be around. And just as simple as that for me. Yeah, I agree. We just did this. Um, we did the 48 yep. and, um, 48 hour film festival. I'm going to be there and, uh, tomorrow night to watch those films. Awesome. I'm going to try wait. to go tomorrow night. I'm definitely going to be there Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I, I've worked with my friend Joey a few times and we worked with the new guy, Mike White, who's the Lux Collective and they make great stuff. 
and it was just Jason Marsden was in it and Dean nice. Shortland, all these people, Heather Lannon, Sarah Antonio, Valerie Parker. It was just like a really fun group. The crew was awesome. And those things, I mean, you're just doing them for fun. There's nothing that's going to come of it, really. I mean, stuff can come of it, but you know what I mean? Yeah. You're just all, I, I like the, the, the camaraderie of it all, of like us coming together, writing this thing, making this thing, finishing this thing, awesome, and having a good time. Yeah, and for that group you mentioned, it's like the 48 is just like a it's like calisthenics. It's like it's like a warm-up and it keeps you loose for when you're making your other stuff. You know, it, it keeps you working, it keeps you creative, it keeps you in a good space around good people and having a good time. Um all those people are great. Valerie Parker and San Antonio Dean Shortland. Um maybe one of the funniest, naturally funny and, and awesome actors. And, uh, I've been around too. So yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a crew. Um, I'm yeah, it was fun. pretty pumped about, about getting the opportunity to check, check your stuff out. Um, I'm curious, uh, you know, the, this film that we did together, I'm so proud of it's called adult interference again. Uh, since we've said that at, at, at nauseum now, um, we, have to. we have to, it comes out, uh, wide on September 17th across all VOD platforms. And you can pre-order it now at target.com and iTunes pretty soon as well. Um, what people may not know is, you know, this is a movie about Bo Treadwell, who's a, a an, an actor who doesn't know his time is up and, um, has some alcoholism problems and he's trying to teach a kid, you know, the ways of manhood, but within all that sort of machismo, uh, this thing was produced and co-written and directed by women. So mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about the influence in, in, of, of Jackie Phillips, Stephanie Black and Serena Khan on, on this film and, and what they meant to the movie and to you. Well, I mean, everything. They're like, you know, family, especially um, Serena. I love the death, but I mean, Jackie and Stephanie and I have been working together for 13 years. <clears throat> wow. I mean, they're, they're more like sisters. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is, which is funny because then we can yell at each other and get really mad for two months and then be like, Hey, I'm sorry. Which is usually me. Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, who, who yeah, can get who yeah. can get more who can get more loud in an argument? You or Jackie or Stephanie in a sibling Jackie. argument? Jackie, Jackie, <laughs> Jackie, Jackie, um, Jackie can get she can, she can get she can scare me sometimes. Not not in a long time, but she can if she wants to. Um, <laughs> also, I like don't want to you know disappoint her when we're doing stuff. So I mean, we've we did a series called squirrel and donkey together years and years. The first thing we ever did. First thing I ever wrote. Mm -hmm. um, I've watched many of those. Yeah, they're pretty fun. Mm -hmm. um, Stephanie and I have done plays together. Jackie's directed us in plays. It's just, yeah. I mean, bringing them to the table. Well, let me rewind. You've met my mother and my sister, mm -hmm. extremely strong personalities. Your sister's uh, a natural, by the way. <laughs> she is good. She's really good. She's really good. But she's a great actress. It's. I mean, that's where I learned it. But um, mm -hmm. they are very strong. They raised me. I mean, my dad's around, but he was gone a lot, and they they brought me up. And 
I always had females as very like my best friends. And then I started working at this really great place called Brown Ledge Camp for mm. women. And it's I taught theater and acting up there for like 10 summers. Mm-hmm. And I work with women there all the time. Everybody there is pretty much female. I think there's 20 males on staff to 70 females and 150 campers. Yeah. <clears throat> so for me, I, I'm not going to say I prefer it. I, I just feel like a, a movie like this that has a lot of machismo and, you know, lines that are like, hey, you know what I am awesome at? getting shit-faced and meeting girl. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Lines like that. Yeah. It takes a caress from Stephanie or Jackie to kind of make that not come off and it be, like, gross. I mean, it is still gross, but it needs to be charming. <laughs> right. Does it's that make tra- sense? It's, it's charmingly gross, yeah. Yeah, like, if you see... Uh, Ryan Reynolds is really good at making gross things seem still charming. Mm-hmm. Um, but But that's what I feel like they really brought to it stephanie and writing it with me jackie and all of it it just they 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 can always find a way to make it sound or to bring a performance out of me or george or whoever's there that's like a little more nuanced and a little less what's up i'm a bro i'm growing up now which is what i never wanted the character to come off like and he i don't think it does at all so i'm glad about that yeah i agree one of the one of the little devices that, that you guys used as a, as a foursome, um, like Jackie, Serena, Stephanie, and you and, and others, I'm sure, but, but definitely before, um, that plays out throughout the film is whenever Bo, the character Bo that you play, whenever he has something snappy to say to someone else, we leave a little space in there for him to get embarrassed by the other character. Or have that character snap back in a way that's true and honest. Um, there's a couple of lines in there that Christine has that are just killer. And uh, Christine Woods, uh, who plays mm-hmm. Bo's love interest in the in the movie. Uh, there are a couple of lines that Mike Vogel lays out on you that are just just perfect responses to what Bo is saying. Even the even the two kids that were bullying George's character. Um you know, like it's it's here's Bo sticking up for this kid, and here's a moment where the movie could potentially get cheesy, but sure enough, Bo's zip flies down. So the whole thing, you know what I mean? So it's it's this it's these great little comedic moments like that that I thought they brought to it, and you brought to this screenplay that makes it feel so real. Vogel, Vogel hammers that role so hard. Everything he says, I just laugh at. Like it's. <laughs> And I've told him this. I was like, it's so perfect because you were exact. I mean, like without the first time he read it, I was like, oh, my God, it's so perfect. Yeah. He he just knew who it was. And I remember how I knew he knew. He walked in to get makeup and he goes, I think I, I, think I need a, like a spray tan. <laughs> and I, was just, I was like, oh, he's, he's going he's gonna to kill it. <laughs> he has a hell of spray tan in this movie. It's great. Oh. It's, yeah. it's the best. Do you do you have your favorite onset moment during adult interference? Is there, you know, is there a moment with the, the ladies that stands out? Any stories? 
Well, I mean, they're such good friends that my uncle died in the middle of filming and we had to take a day and a half off and we drove through the night to go to the funeral. So yeah. that right there is a really special moment to me. Um, I'm trying to think when we laughed really hard. <laughs> you know what night was the most fun shooting? And I think you were there, so you'll probably remember this. When the drunk cul-de-sac scene, when we yeah. were in that big suburb, mm-hmm. that was so much fun <laughs> to shoot. Yeah. And there was all the all the families were sitting out in the cul-de-sac and they were um, – they were all, remember that? They were all like, they were also supportive. Yeah. Like yeah, everybody they, they was called, super cool. They were calling action and stuff. Ah, oh, that was fun. That was a really fun night. And that was a night, you remember we had the cop goes, Hey guys, you only got 10 more minutes. And we had to get all the driving shots in the last 10 minutes. I mean, it was like, just get in the car. I'm just going to ride and we're going to go. And it worked perfectly, but yeah. Yeah. That's it's, my, that's my favorite night of shooting. Yeah, there are some definite. Uh, there's a lot of good nights. That's good. We gotta we gotta see if we can duplicate that kind of fun again. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the worst. <laughs> the worst part of shooting. Okay. Was uh, I think I know it, but go ahead. I think the worst part of shooting was us fighting that rain the very first day. Like okay. first out the out the gate, it was just like raining, and it was like, well, we got to get these shots outside. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought you were going to say the last day when it was just over 45 degrees and you were in that tank top uh, and, and, and you had to do like 17 takes of that last scene. And I was thinking to myself, he's got to be freezing. He's got to be. Yeah, freezing. it was. People don't realize that, you know, the movie's set like in it's supposed to be September. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we're shooting in November into December. So yeah. it was freezing in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I was thinking, cause I knew how I was dressed and I was like in a sweater. I was like all like, I look like a, like one of those Abercrombie mannequins. I had so many damn shirts on and you were in a tank top. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, Ted's, Ted's a trooper, man. He's making this happen. He doesn't even look cold <clears throat> in his face. Like my bottom lip would be trembling. Uh, I had you know, that Letterman's jacket. I had that Hendersonville High School Letterman's jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know you got to run. Um, you've been so cool, so generous with your time, Ted. This has been a blast. I knew it would be. I only have uh, two more questions. Are, are you good? Yeah, go for it. All right, man. So tell everybody why they should watch Adult Interference. You should watch Adult Interference if you love having a good time in a movie like it's the 80s but you also like heart. Yep. I agree. It's definitely a comedy with a heart. Uh, if you, if you, if you love, uh, nostalgia, the nostalgia of the eighties, the nineties and, and, and love sort of unforgiving comedy. Uh, but, but, but there's a sweetness to it too, with the relationship. Um, and Hey, if you love football, football season's coming up, you know, this is football season's coming up. It's a great, great movie for that. Um, I think football's where, I, where, where we'll end this. I'm curious, uh, if I told you you had to choose between never watching football again and never acting again, which one would you choose? Oh, never watching football again. <laughs> I, I think, you know what? You answered that a little, I thought that was what you were going to say, but you answered that a little quicker than I thought you were going to. Well, it's because I've had like a, <clears throat> a realization lately that like, I like to watch the Predators and I like to watch the Titans. But I don't have to. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather go see like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than watch a game. 
Yeah. Speaking of that, how did you, how did, what did you, what is your take being a sort of a nostalgia guy? What is your take on how they, how they did Bruce Lee? It didn't bother me, but I think it really offended a lot of Bruce Lee fans. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's, it's a movie. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like, (laughs) I mean, obviously nothing like that happened. So it was made up. Right. I will tell you something. I thought that Brad Pitt's perform or not Brad Pitt, um, DiCaprio's performance in that movie is the best thing I've ever seen him do. Yeah, I was saying the same thing. I was saying like, you, I don't know who was better, and DiCaprio was probably better. I was telling Nick this, but the way the movie works out, the way the arc of the characters work out, you find yourself rooting for Brad Pitt's character more. And 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 because of that, you kind of it can shroud a little bit of of DiCaprio's performance. But if you really watch it, yeah, you're right; it's unbelievable. When he does that scene that he's acting in, and he goes up on his lines, and he starts calling mine, they're like, "Just go, just say this." Can we go back? And he starts stuttering, mm-hmm. and then slowly, he's been so good, and it just devolves into the end of the scene. He's terrible, mm-hmm. and then he goes in his trailer and loses it for a minute and a half. It was the best thing I've ever seen. I was just like, what am I watching? <laughs> it's it's spot on, right? Like it's it's spot on. When he starts <laughs> this given this spoiler, but when he, he's talking about he drinks too much and he goes, I should, you couldn't just have three, I had to have eight, and then he picks up the flash and goes, Damn it, no, I'm not drinking anymore. I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> uh I gotta I watched that at Bill Court, the thirty five millimeter uh version of it. And it was great. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to watch it again. There's nothing like the last 20 minutes of that uh, movie. Either, it's so, so great. So I want Tarantino um, to do a horror movie. Yeah, maybe that's what maybe that's what number 10 will be. We'll 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 find out um, for sure. Uh, Ted, you're the man. I appreciate you. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and on the internet. You can find me on Instagram at the Ted Welch. And that's it. That's it on the social media. Got it. Find him on the Ted Welch. Is there anywhere people can see your work if, uh, before they watch, uh, adult interference? Uh, I believe that I'm on a few movies on, I'm on, I think all white is still on Netflix. I think a wall is on Hulu right now. Mm-hmm. The help is not on any streaming platform. So that's out. Neither is true blood. Got it. So um, if you want to watch yeah. True Blood or The Help, you got to go buy them individually. You can watch Ted in uh, another one of uh, Bonsai's films, All Light Will End, on Netflix. And you can watch him in AWOL on Hulu. And please do watch him in Adult Interference. He's the lead. It is incredible. You guys will have a great time watching this movie. Again, pre-order it now at Target.com. It will also be available on iTunes soon. And then it will be out for wide VOD release and SVOD release on September 17th of this year. Thank you, Ted. Thank you. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Yep. See you, man. All right, man. Be good. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find out more information on this week's creative, including links to their projects and social media feeds, please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward slash make it if you haven't already you can join our podcast community on apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for make it bonsai creative if you do that the show will pop right up 
You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.